0: welcome to the metabolic md health means everything we all seek optimal health but most of us do not know how to achieve it dr paul koladzi has spent a career in the emergency department now he helps his patients avoid ever ending up there during these podcasts you'll learn how you can lose weight and prevent and reverse disease through new technology a modified diet and the use of some new recently approved fda medications this information is not meant to be medical advice. Please seek consultation from your own medical provider. Let's listen in.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. We're in the very beginning of August 2023, and we're here today with another episode of the Metabolic MD with Dr. Paul Kolazic. Dr. Kolazic, hello. Hi, how you doing today, Terry? Today's another great day. It's Friday, and we're heading to the weekend, and I'm all excited about that. So I've got big plans. I don't want to bore people with that, but it's a big weekend. And I know today's topic has a lot of um, interest to me, and it's because about 12, 15 years ago, my brother passed away from being an alcoholic. And you're, we're going to talk today about how semi-glutides could possibly be a potential treatment for people who are suffering from alcohol abuse, correct? Correct. So let's start out with the first question. How did you come across this? What's your background? Why, why, why is this something that you're kind of working on now?
2: Yeah, so um, this is an area that's close to my heart uh, because, you know, one of the things I've done in the past is treated patients for addiction in fact, got board certified in addiction medicine. Um, so I've treated a lot of alcohol patients um, in in the past. And, and I've taken a little bit of different approach, which is uh, rather than you have to be abstinent immediately let's talk about reducing your alcohol use and then if you want to get to abstinence we can do that but you know the the term that's used for this is harm reduction which is reduce alcohol you basically means reduce alcohol use so to see a potential uh medication that might be applicable to helping people that have that problem um i think is a big big deal and this is uh you know a little disclaimer The use of semaglutide to help people reduce alcohol intake is very preliminary. There's been no, that I'm aware of, clinical studies on it. But I network with a lot of metabolic health docs and addiction medicine docs. And a lot of us are seeing that people that are on this medicine are reducing their alcohol consumption considerably.
1: So let's, first off, let's define what it is to be... I guess the old term would have been alcoholic. What, what are we calling it now?
2: So so the previous term was alcoholism. The official term now is alcohol use disorder. Another term you'll hear commonly is alcohol abuse. Um, and actually the Center for Disease Control has criteria for what is excessive drinking and um For males, it's more than 15 drinks a week. Um, And for females, just because their physiology is different and they're smaller, it's only seven drinks a week.
1: Are we talking about just a beer? You go in and you have a beer with your friends? Standard drink.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a standard an ounce and a half of hard alcohol, five and a half ounces of wine or a 12 ounce beer.
1: Well, I got a lot of friends who are or, or on the on that border, okay. Yeah,
2: but but you know what? I've always defined al- excessive alcohol use is basically it's a really simple definition: drinking more than you want to be drinking. Okay. Okay. Um, and 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 I've had people uh, that have come to me drinking 30 beers a day that wanted to be drinking less. And they were happy when they got to five or seven. You know, I know that sounds a little bit bizarre. Um, and of course we try to get them lower and, you know, again, help them to abstinence if they want to get there. Uh, but I've also actually, I I had a doc that came to me that was drinking 12 drinks a week and he thought that was too much and he wanted to get to three. And so we helped him do that as well.
1: Wow. So, in the past, how would you go about doing that? There's some medications that you might have of used in your tool bag or your doctor bag right? yeah so pull out say try this medicine because it will yeah help you what right were some of
2: those medicines so so just so the behavioral things usually are setting guidelines, you know I'm going to have this many alcohol free days a week or I'm going to limit my alcohol consumption at ev- any given sitting to this much period of time uh, I'm going to journalize or log my alcohol consumption. So we use all those behavioral techniques. But the medications that I've used primarily in the past is a medication called naltrexone. Uh, Naltrexone is a medication that's used for opiate abuse as well, but what it does is cap the receptors in the brain that give you a pleasurable response. And we use an approach where you take the naltrexone before you're drinking, so you kind of cap those receptors so the response is not quite as pleasurable at the time you're drinking. And then on days you aren't drinking, you don't take the medicine. You go out and do something enjoyable and let those dopamine receptors and serotonin receptors run wild. So the most effective medicine I've used in the past is naltrexone. You can get that as an injectable called Vivitrol. And then there's two other medicines out there that are, that are FDA approved. One is called Antabuse, which hardly anybody uses anymore. It, it's a medicine that if you take it every morning and then you drink, you get sick when you drink. So that's a kind of a negative enforcement, which I don't think is a good approach. And, and, and there can be some bad side effects of Antabuse. And then there's another medicine called tamperil that decreases cravings, uh, but it's a hard medicine ta- to take. you got to take two pills three times a day every day. So the the primary medicine used now for alcohol use disorder is Naltrexone. All
1: right, so because your background with substance abuse and your uh, current st- uh, path on weight loss using semiglutides are as a possible option as semiglutide. You've stumbled across, or you you found that sometimes semaglutide has an effect on somebody who's abusing alcohol, and, and tell us about that.
2: Yeah, and I would say uh, in my clinical experience, this is not like uh, this might be happening, or maybe this is happening. Uh, it's it's definitely happening. So um, you know. I have to treat patients... I can only treat patients with semaglutide that meet semaglutide criteria. So this is the medicine Ozambic and Wigovi. Right. Ozambic for diabetics, Wigovi for patients who are overweight, and of course there's a compound of semaglutide available at a lower cost as well. Um, but they have to meet criteria. And the indications, the criteria for this is a body mass index greater than 27 with a metabolic health problem like hypertension or high cholesterol or something like that Or a body mass index greater than 30 with not necessarily any other problems. But but in the context of treating patients that meet those criteria, because I've treated hundreds of patients uh, with this medicine that meet those criteria, I have some patients that are drinking more alcohol than they want to drink. And and almost, uh, you you know, almost, I'm not going to say without exception, but for the vast majority, in addition to taking in less food, they're drinking less alcohol as well.
1: So you is this something other physicians have seen uh, out there in, in the in the yeah. world?
2: Yeah, if if you Google and search it now, there there are a few articles out there on this, but it's all clinical experience and just people's anec kind of what you call anecdotal experience that we see this in patients. There have been some rat studies that show if you put rats on semaglutide, there's no question that they drink less. But to my knowledge, there's not been any human studies. And of course the pharmaceutical companies will be looking at this. But Again, the catch, Terry, is is that the patient has to meet criteria. You, you can't take a slender patient right. that's drinking too much and put them on this medicine because they're going to lose more weight and potentially even be malnourished. So you have to have pa- find patients that are drinking more than they want to drink. Um, you know, again, which is my definition of you know if there's a concern related to alcohol, um, but they have to meet these BMI criteria as well.
1: Yeah, because a lot of my friends who I would consider to be drinking probably more than they should, they they appear to be really thin.
2: Yeah, right. yeah.
1: And I, it's hard to get them to eat. Yeah. So I can see why you don't want to put them on a semi-glutide. Right, right. So, so uh, how long have you – is this kind of – theory been going on about semiglutase and weight loss? How long has it been out
2: there? It's new. This isn't new in like the last year and a half that people are noticing it or seeing it. Of course, you, you know, um, o- Ozembic has been around for three or four years. Wegovy really only for a couple years. Right. So it's really, you know, just clinicians have just been noticing this over the course of the last few years. But, yeah, you know, my typical patient, you know, um, you know, meeting those criteria a little bit overweight, um, but some of them drink alcohol that contributes to them being oh, overweight. Absolutely. Right. Um, and, and some uh, really just you know are not drinking excessive alcohol, but maybe a, a little bit more than they want to be drinking. And and I've had patients that say that their alcohol consumption has gone way down when they're on this medicine. I have had patients say that they just don't want to drink any alcohol at all when they're on
1: this medicine. So let me ask you a question that would, would, would I wish I could have asked back when my brother was alive. What's more harmful to people is, is it the alcohol abuse or the, the overweight? If you had to... They're they're both bad. I understand, but is, yeah. does one have a bigger impact on somebody's health than the other? Yeah,
2: I think that's a difficult question to answer. They they both obviously have significant downsides. Downsides, you know, excessive alcohol use uh, causes you know multi organ problems, gastrointestinal problems, brain problems, blood problems, um, kidney problems. Um, so it's its own disease state. But you know, I, I've you know, really focused the last few years on metabolic health and the damage that high blood glucose and obesity, in particular, right. does. So I think they're both damaging in their own individual ways.
1: And alcohol is one of those things that will raise your blood sugar, correct?
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah.
1: that's wh- again, my brother was a yeah. diabetic and yeah. an alcoholic, and those two yeah. things just cause a problem.
2: Uh, right. I would say there's actually kind of a dual approach there, though. Uh, some people that that drink a lot. It, you know, will tend toward having a pre-diabetic state or high blood sugar. But there are other people that drink a lot and exclude food intake, and they can have lower blood sugars.
1: oh uh, yeah, okay. okay, right, okay. okay. So uh, what, what what are you hearing out there in the scientific world about how they're going to take this to maybe a higher level of people? Being aware of this issue. Uh, what, what, what's going on out? Do you know of anything going on out there? Yeah,
2: right now, the most of the discussion is informal um, amongst clinicians, though I have seen a little bit of information that with the response we're seeing in patients related to this uh, medicine and alcohol use, that there are some clinical studies that are going to be started that focus specifically on alcohol use reduction. I've actually seen one study that did, you know, basically mirror the clinical experience that I'm seeing that uh, the, the, there are, these were patients that were overweight, met right. the BMI criteria, and they actually just uh, chronicled or tabulated the amount of alcohol these people were drinking while they were on the medicine and saw a significant reduction. So I'm aware of actually one clinical study that looked at this, um, but it was in the context of overweight people.
1: All right, so I bet you're not going to guess where I'm going now because we've had so many conversations on this podcast about... If you go into semi-glutide, when you start to come off semi-glutide, you gain weight. Right. What's the deal with if you go into semi-glutide and come off or you start your alcohol consumption back up?
2: yeah I would view this the same way that i view uh, managing my weight loss patients in that you want to use moderate doses to begin with with the intention of titrating back down but you know in in, in my in my uh, overweight patients we basically instill the lifestyle changes that are necessary to eventually come off the medicine and you know for us that's a low carb diet guided by a continuous glucose monitor the intermittent fasting the strength Training that reduces insulin resistance. The approach, I think, if you were focusing on alcohol with the use of these medications, would be the same. Which would be let's institute the lifestyle changes that are necessary to titrate you down and potentially off the medication. Um, So that would be uh, um, let's let's do the other things we mentioned earlier. Let's see how many. Let's make sure you're tabulating your alcohol-free days. Let's make sure you're journalizing your alcohol use. Let's make Make sure you're putting maximums on the number of alcohol, alcoholic drinks you drink each day. So I think, you know, in an analogous way to overweight patients, you want to make lifestyle changes. You would make lifestyle changes in this context as well.
1: So one of the things I would love to see uh, is there's that old term, you're on the wagon, right? Yeah. So you you go on a medicine like this. you You reduce your drinking. You almost eliminate your drinking, and then you're off on the wagon. You're not drinking at all. Is it better to drink a little so you don't have that that sudden shock of going back? You know what I mean? Is it better to kind of I, – I guess I'm trying to figure out, is it better to go cold turkey, or is it better to kind of keep some in you at, at all times? Yeah,
2: so this gets to the issue of how you're going to manage alcohol, um uh, abuse. And and you know, the traditional thinking is alcoholics anonymous, you're either drinking or you aren't drinking. Right. You, you know, there's only one way and that's abstinence. And quite honestly, I respect that approach. I often want to get my patients drinking less so they can eventually get to that status without having significant withdrawal symptoms.
1: And what's a what's a just a curious, what, what is a good Weekly or a time period for to get somebody from drinking a lot to drinking a little to getting them to abstinence. Yeah, what, it, what it, is that?
2: It's usually a many months process. A
1: year could it be a year? It, it
2: can be a year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and to move people gradually. But I'll be honest with you, I have had lots of patients come to me over the year, mm-hmm. and, and and they come to me saying. I don't want to keep drink quit drinking. I don't want to quit drinking altogether, but I want my drinking to be under better control. Um okay. and, and and people come with, with with that intent like not infrequently. Maybe the majority of people that come to me and they just say, yeah, you know, I'm I'm drinking we always tabulated in drinks per week. I'm drinking Twenty-five drinks a week because I always have them keep a log and we tabulate where they've been. Right, and and they say I I want to get that down to eight drinks a week, and I help them do that. Currently with Naltrexone, and you you know, I I think if they're overweight and they meet BMI criteria, there is going to be the consideration of uh, you, you know using Semaglutide as
1: well. Well, that's interesting. Now, Semaglutide on somebody who's meets the BMI criteria. And who's who's not a diabetic who is not over well? I guess you got to be overweight to to meet the BMI criteria, right? right? Yeah, you do. Um, yeah. So so there's there's no issue with them losing too much weight. In I understand. Okay. So I yeah. guess I don't know where I was going with that question. <laughs> okay. Um, what, what what would you suggest for somebody who might be struggling out there with alcohol uh, abuse, or they have a family member that's struggling with alcohol abuse? What who should what kind of doctor should they look for?
2: Well, I would look for a doctor that's board certified in addiction medicine.
1: Now, would they know about this, or is this something that
2: any any doc, you know? The opiate issue has taken a lot of focus in recent years, obviously, and for good reasons. Um, But a a doc that is board certified in addiction medicine, like I am, really should know how to manage alcohol use disorder. Um, And, uh, you know, I, I personally believe in an approach where you look at harm reduction before abstinence. So I would find a doc that buys into Let's just reduce your drinking to start. Um, You know, we talked about it earlier today, Terry. Progress, not perfection. Yeah, I heard that. Um, And let's have you make some progress. And I would look for a doc that's willing to use um, medications to help this process along, which, you you know, again, I'm not a big fan of the antabuse that I mentioned or the camprol, but I think naltrexone is a good good medication to use. And then uh, if BMI criteria are met, I I think there's a valid consideration uh, for using semaglutide. I do not think you can use semaglutide if those BMI criteria are not met. I don't think that's appropriate. At this point, there haven't been studies that have looked at that. Um, But I do think if a patient wants to lose weight and they're drinking too much, this medication is a consideration.
1: So why don't we end this podcast with a little bit of information again. Describe to me how this medication, semiglutide, impacts somebody with alcohol tendencies, alcoholic tendencies. What's what's it what's going on in my brain what's going on in my system Yeah,
2: good good question and we probably should have covered this earlier but basically semaglutide works in several ways. One is that it infects the gastrointestinal system, so um, you feel fuller for a longer period of time. But the reason, uh, another reason it works, and I think the reason that it might have a validity related to alcohol use disorder, is that it has a direct effect on the brain as well, and specifically the hypothalamus area of the brain, which is the reward center. So this medication impacts dopamine and serotonin neurotransmitters so that basically if you're on these this medication, you aren't going to get quite the favorable response from alcohol use. I believe you don't get quite the uh, favorable response from alcohol use that you might get otherwise, and that leads to the reduction in intake.
1: Well, see, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if I'm not getting the, the high I used to get, and I don't drink, so I'm really not an expert at this. But if I'm not getting the high, I'll just drink harder and more to get that high, right? So it's like almost yeah. – it doesn't work that
2: way. I'll be honest with you. That's not what I hear from my patients that are on semaglutide, that that they they just – I'm they feel – the alcohol doesn't taste good. I don't have oh. a craving for it.
1: That's how I was when yeah. I was on semaglutide. I just didn't wasn't hungry. Nothing yeah. appealed to me. So
2: I th- I think you know there's an overlap there between it, you know the food intake reduction and the alcohol reduction. They're related to each other, um, but you, you know one of the central um, one of the central mechanisms of both, I believe, is the brain effect on uh, reducing the pleasurable effect of Intake of either alcohol or food.
1: So, does this have any impact on somebody who's addicted to opioids?
2: Um, I have not seen anything on uh, other uh, addictions. Um, I, I would think it would be less because, you know, alcohol is consumed, you know, drank. Um, and food is eaten. And so I think that's, you you know, a commonality there. I think if you're taking a pill or injecting something, it's probably going to have less of, or snorting something, it's going to have less of an effect.
1: All right. Well, I tell you, this is the first podcast we've had on semi-glutide and alcohol abuse. I promise you it won't be the last because I think we're going to get a lot of response from this one and we'll have to do a follow-up um, Can
2: I mention again, uh, this is you know it, this is not FDA approved for this indication right this is not a common use this is just uh, a clinical impressions that people that are using uh, clinicians that are using semaglutide have so I'm I'm not advocating this as standard therapy right uh, for alcohol abuse and certainly not uh, to be considered in somebody that doesn't meet BMI criteria. But for a person that is overweight and maybe wants to look at reducing their alcohol um, consumption, I, I, I think, you know, there is the consideration of this discussion with your clinician. Um, and again, I'm licensed in Ohio, Indiana, Florida, and Arizona, uh, if anybody would want to talk about this more.
1: All right, so okay. um, last question. Question I have, and and I want to give you this opportunity for putting up with me on this this topic because I find it very interesting. Tell me about your book. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I know we have to plug this book, so go ahead and tell us about this book.
2: So so I, again, um, I I have. Um, uh, metabolic health practice in those states we mentioned, and my focus has been on you know you know helping people lose weight, reduce insulin resistance and i'm a believer that the way to do that is with low carb diets that we were kind of led down the wrong path with the reduced fat diets for the last fifty years, and those resulted in the epidemics of diabetes and obesity so I wrote a book about you know, reducing insulin resistance, low-carb diets lose weight, and the central theme of that is using continuous glucose monitors, those monitors you see on the back of the arms of diabetics, to help guide your low-carb diet. And we've had tremendous, with sec- tremendous success with this. Um, and so I wrote a book about it, The Continuous Glucose Monitor Revolution for Non-Diabetics, and it's available
1: on Amazon. So one one last final thing, by the way, that was a plug, a a shameless plug. Um, Metabolic health, could you be possibly taking addiction medicine as part of a metabolic health program? I think for
2: patients that are particularly drinking too much, there definitely is an overlap there. Probably a little bit less for other substance abuses like uh, uh, substance users like opiates or, or methamphetamine, um, because those patients have a tendency to be more slender, quite honestly. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and patients uh, with alcohol problem at times you know, have an overweight issue. So th- there is an integration there, but I think it's primarily in the arena of obesity and alcohol use and less other substance uses.
1: Well, we keep hearing about this miracle of semi glutide, so who knows what's gonna help with next? We'll have to have a podcast on whatever the next future for semi glutide is
2: um Terry, I do want to mention though <laughs> just like with this medication, like we do with our our weight loss patients, you know be you know um Stephen Covey's book in his. Eight Habits of Highly Effective People had a phrase that was, begin with the end in mind. And you brought this up. And so we always look at beginning with the idea of how we're going to achieve the goals we want to achieve with patients, at the same time titrating them off this medication. I don't want people to become addicted to semaglutide for life because (laughs) they haven't made the lifestyle changes. So we begin with the end in mind, which is titrating up uh, to moderate, not high doses with the anticipation of titrating back down. And then all those lifestyle changes that we talked about uh, to help people eventually get off this medicine.
1: Well, you know, it would be fun to actually come up and bring in a uh, psychotherapist or a psychologist into this conversation about alcohol abuse and glutides and how it all works together. So maybe we reach out to Dr. Lynn and have a conversation with her. Okay. All right. Well, thank right. you very much for joining me on this uh, episode of the Metabolic MD with Dr. Paul Kolosik. I'm Terry O'Brien at Tri-Level Records, and we'll see you soon or hear you soon.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Metabolic M.D. with Dr. Paul Kolodzik. Please join us again for the next episode to hear how your metabolic health means everything and to learn tips on how to lose weight and possibly reverse some serious health conditions. This information is not meant to be medical advice. Please seek consultation from your own medical professional.